Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? Are you doing well? You know, it's Lent. Of course, you know that. Yesterday was Ash Wednesday. And if you didn't get to church, uh, it's not a a holy day of obligation. And if you did not get ashes, it's not sin. No, not to worry about it. The ashes are a reminder that we came from dust and to dust we shall return. Um, and it's a reminder of our sinfulness before a holy God. And it's a wonderful reminder in way, a day of fasting as well, and abstinence from meat. Um, if you did not fast and you're over the age of 14 um, and you did not abstain from meat, then, um, or at least until 59, age 59, then... Um, then you need to go, and you're Catholic, then you need to go to confession, because some things are not optional. Um, During Lent, uh, how we spend Lent, the whole season of Lent, until the Holy Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then Easter Day, um, how we spend that is up to us. There's uh, There's no shoulds, except to have no meat on Friday whatsoever. Every Friday of Lent, no meat whatsoever. It, it, it's good to conquer the flesh by giving up something we love during the season of Lent. It could be sweets, it could be a coffee or uh, other things that we love, cheese, whatever it may be. But it could be giving up uh, sleeping in or giving up uh, anger or giving up um, a certain lack of responsibility or um, uh, or doing something positive for people in need, uh, corporal and spiritual works of mercy, something that you do uh, beyond what you normally would put an effort out to do because we're walking with our Lord through his 40 days in the wilderness, which he was led into by God When he came out of the Jordan, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for our sake. In reparation for Israel's 40 years in the wilderness, he spent 40 years in the desert, but many other um, temptations as well. And the book of Hebrews says he was tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. It's a wonderful season, beloved, and many times we try to um, have new re- resolutions through the year or uh, try to diet or try to exercise or try to uh, read more or, or have a spiritual time with God every day. To me, Lent is the greatest season of every year because it's a time to begin all over again by walking with our Lord, who... We put on the cross, and yet out of love for us, he invites us into his sufferings, into his wilderness journey. It's a, it's a wonder. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to suffer. That's right. We don't. We can say, what did I do to suffer? We did nothing. We put our Lord to death. And he invites us into that suffering. I consider it a high privilege and honor, dear ones. 
Don Prosper Garanger, who I um, to whom I often refer, um, uh, and has written the 15 volumes set on the liturgical year, Benedictine, is truly wonderful. And for each season, he writes the history of that season, the mystery of that season, and the practice of that season. I'm going to read for us the mystery of Lent, the mystery of Lent. It's so, so beautiful. And, um, Again, we are reading, um, we're, we are rather welcoming you to call in. You don't have to wait till the second half hour. From now on, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart uh, at any time during the program. Toll free, one 511 5483 You can text at that number as well, and then email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, especially if you had, have questions about Lent. Um, give a call in, but it doesn't have to be limited to Lent. I'm going to begin now to read this wonderful article on the mystery of Lent by Dom Prosper Garanger, and I'm reading from the website of censusfidelian.com. Um, and he writes, <clears throat> Dom Garanger writes, we may be sure that a season so sacred as this of Lent is rich in mysteries. The church has made it a time of recollection and penance. In preparation for the greatest of all her feasts, she would, therefore, bring into it everything that could excite the faith of her children and encourage them to go through the arduous work of atonement for their sins. It's arduous, beloved, but to me, it's a high privilege. We've been invited by God himself to do this. My goodness. Um, <clears throat> during Septuagesima, which began three weeks ago, we had the number 70, which reminded us of those 70 years' captivity in Babylon, after which God's chosen people, being purified from idolatry, was to return to Jerusalem and celebrate the Pasch, that's the Passover. It is the number of 40 that the church now brings before us, a number, as St. Jerome observes, which denotes punishment and affliction. And you could look many places, um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 39, many, many places uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, 40 days that denote punishment of, of God for his people. Uh, Dom Garanger says, let us remember the 40 days and 40 nights of the deluge, the flood, sent by God in his anger when he repented that he had made man and destroyed the whole human race with the exception of one family. And let us consider how the Hebrew people, in punishment for their ingratitude, wandered 40 years in the desert before they were permitted to enter the promised land. Numbers chapter um, um, 14, uh, verse 33. Let us listen to our God commanding the prophet Ezekiel to be 40 days on his right side as a figure of the siege which was to bring destruction on Jerusalem. There are two in the Old Testament who represent in their own persons the two manifestations of God. Moses who typifies the law, and Elias, who is the figure of the prophets. 
Both of these are permitted to approach God. The first on Sinai, the second on Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. But both of them have to prepare for the great favor by an expiatory fast of 40 days, both of them, beloved. With these mysterious facts before us, we can understand why it was that the Son of God, having become man for our salvation and wishing to subject himself to the pain of fasting, chose the number of 40 days. Can you imagine God? We don't subject ourselves to pain, not voluntarily, not most of us, but God became man for us, and not just that, but he walked with us, lived with us, suffered for us more than any of us will ever, ever know suffering because he never sinned. When we sin, dear ones, we escape the temptation. We take the temptation so far, and then we give in, and we escape the temptation. Jesus never gave in. He was tempted in all points as we, yet beyond what we will ever, ever know, because he never gave in. He never sinned. The institution of Lent is thus brought before us with everything that can impress the mind with its solemn character and with its power of appeasing God and purifying our souls. When I hear people say, oh, brother, now I have to give something up for the next 40 days, oh, it it breaks my heart. I wonder if they're even Catholic or Christian at all. And children who who the same because they're not taught who they are and whose they are. And that they're people of God who have the enormous privilege of being his in the world, being a witness to him in the world. Let us therefore look beyond the little world which surrounds us and see how the whole Christian universe is at this very time offering this 40 days penance as a sacrifice of propitiation to the offended majesty of God. And let us hope that as in the case of the Ninevites, he will mercifully accept this year's offering of our atonement and pardon us our sins. Do we feel good? Do we think God has to accept our offering? He does not. He does not. The best offering to God is a humble and contrite heart. And if we give him our sacrifices, our penances with a humble, contrite heart, he receives them. If we do them coldly or with pride, there's that. There's no pardon for our sins in that. Tom Geringer says, the number of our days of Lent is then a holy mystery. Let us now learn from the liturgy in what light the church views her children during these 40 days. She considers them as an immense army, her children, and us, an immense army fighting day and night against their spiritual enemies. Beloved, oh, we have received, James says, every gift from above. We have every grace to do everything that is holy and to turn from sin and to turn to God. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart at any time during this hour. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back.
Hey, Jim Havens here. I'm host of The Simple Truth, which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. The focus of the show is authentically receiving, living, and handing on the simple truth of Jesus and his Catholic Church in a down-to-earth, no-nonsense manner. The guests are phenomenal, and each weekday has its own theme, always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be. It's The Simple Truth, every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. This is a segment about small Catholic innovations that made a huge impact from the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Back when water was difficult to purify, beer was actually the standard drink because the fermentation process killed harmful bacteria. But it wasn't all that tasty and didn't last very long. This is where Catholics upped the ante with two major contributions. The first came from monasteries, where monks needed heartier beers to get them through long periods of fasting. So they experimented with flavorings and techniques to make it more robust. The second contribution came from St. Hildegard von Bingen. She's the first person credited with using hops in beer to preserve it. And it didn't hurt that hops added great flavors too. So you can thank Catholic Innovation for beer. Learn more about what OSV Institute is doing to inspire and encourage Catholic innovation at osvinstitute.com. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are reading an article by Dom Prosper Geringer, which he wrote when he lived in the 1800s, and it's on Lent, um, these 40 days of fasting, um, of penance, of walking with our God through the wilderness. Um, uh, Let me see that. Now, where we left off... Hold on just a moment. The number of our days of Lent is then, I'm going to back up one sentence to the beginning of this new paragraph. The number of our days of Lent is then a holy mystery. Let us now learn from the liturgy in what light the church views her children during these 40 days. And in the first segment, we went through many um, of... um, uh, Incidents in the Old Testament where the children of Israel spent 40 days in the wilderness, uh, where Elijah and Moses uh, spent 40 days, and uh, the figure 40 (coughs) occurs often. And so our Lord spent 40 days in the wilderness in reparation for Israel's 40 years um, and other things for our sins. The church considers them and the children of her children, us, beloved, us, 
in the Catholic Church, the church our Lord established, <clears throat> which is Israel, fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. Uh, the church considers us an immense army fighting day and night against our spiritual enemies. <clears throat> Tom Garringer says, we remember how on Ash Wednesday yesterday, she calls Lent a Christian warfare. Yes, in order that we may have that newness of life, which will make us worthy to sing once more our Alleluia, which is suppressed, dear ones, during this entire season. <clears throat> we must conquer our three enemies, the devil, the flesh, and the world. We are fellow combatants with our Jesus, for he too submits to the triple temptation suggested to him by Satan in person. Therefore, we must have on our armor and watch unceasingly. And whereas it is of the utmost importance that our hearts be spirited and brave, the church give us, gives us a war song of heaven's own making, which can fire even cowards with hope of victory and confidence in God's help. It's the 90th Psalm in the office of Compline. We pray this every single night. 90th Psalm, and in the new rendering, it's Psalm 91. And the church inserts the whole of it in the Mass of the first Sunday of Lent, and every day introduces several of its verses in the ferial office. She therefore tells us to rely on the protection wherewith our Heavenly Father covers us, as with a shield, to hope under the shelter of his wings, to have confidence in him, for that he will deliver us from the snare of the hunter who had robbed us of the holy liberty of the children of God, to rely upon the succor, the help of the holy angels who are our brothers, to whom our Lord hath given charge that they keep us in all our ways. <clears throat> And who, when our Jesus permitted Satan to tempt him, were the adoring witnesses of his combat. There they were in the, in the desert with him. They didn't assist him. They didn't help him. They were with him. <clears throat> and after his victory, proffering to him their service and homage, let us get well into us. The, let us get well into us these sentiments wherewith the church would have us be inspired. And during our six weeks campaign, let us often repeat this admirable canticle, Psalm 91 or 90 in the older uh, rendering, which so fully describes what the soldiers of Christ should be and feel in this season of the great spiritual warfare. Beloved, you are not in a boring time of the year. You are not in an unhappy time of the year. You are entering, we as God's people, as his army, are entering the battle. One of the most thrilling and honorable times of the year where we can fight all the forces that, that came together in the desert to destroy our Lord and sought to destroy him every step of the way and does the same with us. The same temptations with which the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness 
are the same temptations with, with which he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and the same temptations that he tempts us here in our lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Nothing new with him. Same old, same old. And if you study the temptations of our Lord in the wilderness, then you will understand how he tempts you the same way, the same way. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The lust of the, lo- the, lust of the eyes, of the flesh, and the pride of life. <clears throat> Firstly, there is the conspiracy of the Jews against our Redeemer. It will be brought before us in its whole history, from its first formation to its final consummation on the Great Friday. This is Dom Geringer ended the last paragraph by saying... Um, Let me see if I finished it. The church is not satisfied with thus animating us to the contest with our enemies. She would also have our minds engrossed with thoughts of deepest import. And for this end, she puts before us three great subjects, which she will gradually unfold to us between this and the great Easter solemnity. Let us be all attention to these soul-stirring and instructive lessons. Beloved, if you've been what you call a cradle Catholic, if you've been Catholic all your life, you're not a cradle Catholic. You are born an adorable sinner, and apart from baptism, you're not a Catholic. And when you are baptized, you become a Catholic. No one is born a Catholic, but you become a Catholic through baptism, even it's one minute after your birth. You become a Catholic through baptism. And if you spend all your life culturally Catholic, now is the time God is giving you now to begin to know who you are and to begin to be part of God's army. This this incredible time in the world where this tremendous destruction, the war in Russia on Ukraine, other um, avenues, other areas of the world, um, revving up for battle. We could be at the beginning of World War III. We don't know what's going to be. It's, an, it's a threatening time, and uh, we need to be alert. We need to be alert, and we need, above all, to be in God's army and to use this time to be witnesses to yet souls who are headed for damnation. And so Dom Geringer says, firstly, um, let us be attentive to these soul-stirring and instructive lessons. Firstly, there is the conspiracy of the Jews against our Redeemer, back to the Old Testament. It will be brought before us in its whole history, from its first formation to its final consummation on the Great Friday, when we shall behold the Son of God hanging on the wood of the cross, the infamous working, the infamous workings of the synagogue will be brought before us so regularly that we shall be able to follow the plot in all its details. But dear ones, let me say this. I once gave, soon after I was a Catholic, I gave a conference uh, in New York City to, um, to a particular group of Catholics, and a couple, an elderly man and woman Catholic, said to me, um, what do you think your parents are going to say when they find out that they killed the Messiah? And I, I, I was amazed by his question in the front of the whole audience. And I said, um, my parents did give their lives to Christ before they died. And um, if, 
they not only put him to death, but I put him to death, and you put him to death. And if you didn't put him to death, he's not your savior. If he's not your savior, you're destined for hell because there's no other savior. If someone says the Jews only put him to death, then they don't need a savior. But it's not the Jews only. It's the Jews and the Romans. The Jews yelled, crucify him. The Romans put the nails in him. And those were the players. And does that mean that all the Jews are not saved? It does not. Does that mean all the Romans or all the Gentiles are not saved? It does not. Uh, God alone will judge the players at that crucifixion. He alone knows the hearts of every single person. But the issue is our heart before him today. Our heart. Do we ignore him? Do we not live Lent? Do we think, well, we're baptized Catholic, we've been confirmed, we've had the sacraments, we don't need to do anything? Oh, yes, we do, beloved. Well, we can do it voluntarily. No, no. We are to go through this Lent with our Lord, beloved. We are to refrain, abstain from meat every single Friday and fast Ash Wednesday, which was yesterday, and Good Friday. The very, very, very minimum. If we do the minimum... This is an acceptable thing, but we need to do much more for him who gave his all for us. And if you refuse the minimum, uh, then you cannot even know you're on your way to heaven because these are not options, beloved. God is always ready to forgive, but if you do not fast on a day of fast and you do not abstain on a day of abstination, um, you need to go to confession. It's, it is serious, beloved. This is a season where God gives us every grace and every opportunity to start anew. Every day is the beginning of forever. You've heard that expression. And every day we can start anew. Every day we can go to confession and say, Lord, it's been 40 years since I've been in this confessional and I ask your forgiveness. Go to the priest and just tell the priest how long it's been. Tell him it's been 150 years since your last confession. Can you imagine if you were a priest and you had the power given by God to forgive sins? Who forgives God sins but God? Only God forgives sins, but he's chosen to forgive them through a priest, his priest, his ordained priest. And when the priest says, I forgive you, I absolve you, he doesn't absolve you. It's Christ who says those words through the priest. And you need to go. There's no other way for your sins to be forgiven. You need to go, beloved. And you should get on your knees and thank God that you have this opportunity. Don't let embarrassment stand in your way. Don't let pride stand in your way. If you wind up in hell and say, I'm in hell because I was embarrassed to confess mortal sin, oh my goodness, when you have a God who died for you, who loves you, and who lives for you now, and who waits for you in that confessional, go, go, beloved. Go to to confession. During Lent, most priests will hear confession before or after Mass, and if they don't, I wish they would. Every single priest should be in that confessional before Mass. Every single priest should be in the confessional before Mass. Not sitting outside the confessional waiting for someone in the confessional so that confession could be anonymous as it's supposed to be. Don't miss this opportunity. 
Don't miss receiving God's love and forgiveness. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. Prayer to St. Michael. O glorious Prince of the Heavenly Host, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and in the fearful warfare that we are waging against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of this world of darkness, against the evil spirits. Come thou to the assistance of men whom Almighty God created immortal, making them in his own image and likeness and redeeming them at a great price from the tyranny of Satan. Fight this day the battle of the Lord with thy legions of holy angels, even as of old thou did fight against Lucifer, the leader of the proud spirits, and all his rebel angels, who were powerless to stand against thee. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and that apostate angel transformed into an angel of darkness, who still creeps about the earth to encompass our ruin, was cast headlong into the abyss together with his followers. But behold, that first enemy of mankind, and a murderer from the beginning, has regained his confidence. Changing himself into an angel of light, he goes about with the whole multitude of the wicked spirits to invade the earth and blot out the name of God and his Christ, to plunder, to slay, and to consign to eternal damnation the souls that have been destined for a crown of everlasting life. This wicked serpent, like an unclean torrent, pours into men of depraved minds and corrupt hearts the poison of his malice, the spirit of lying and piety and blasphemy, and the deadly breath of impurity and every form of vice and iniquity. These crafty enemies of mankind have filled to overflowing with gall and wormwood the church, which is the bride of the Lamb without spot. They have laid profane hands upon her most sacred treasures. Make haste, therefore, O invincible prince, to help the people of God against the inroads of the lost spirits and grant us the victory. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live, I am she, we are here, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, this is our second half hour. Our lines are wide open, so feel free, dear ones, to call in with anything at all on your heart, any question. I don't always know the answer, but we can look it up, or I can give you references. Um, And the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 to email, or rather, yes, uh, to email. It's mother at the station of the cross.com. <clears throat> we are reading from um, Dom Garanger's The Mystery of Lent. And he says, going through Lent, as God has given this season to us, we shall be inflamed with love for the august victim whose meekness, wisdom, and dignity bespeak a God. Bespeak a God. The divine drama, which began in the cave of Bethlehem, is to close on Calvary. We may assist at it by meditating on the passages of the gospel read to us by the church during these days of Lent. Beloved, 
If you haven't been to daily Mass before, I would want to urge you to go as many times as you can throughout the season, or at least get the Gospel readings and read them daily uh, on your own at home. Um, Again, um, our toll-free number to call is one 877 Five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We have an email from Jennifer who writes, "Hello, mother. Can you recommend a source where someone can learn more about Catholic traditions pre-Vatican II?" I have been going to the Tridentine Mass for about a year, and I feel I still need to learn more. Oh, Jennifer, we never stop. We never, ever stop learning. And you know the old expression, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. So when we're hungry to learn, it's a beautiful grace from God. Jennifer says, you have been helpful on your show. However, I feel I need a calendar or a book or something explaining what the tradition is and helping me get ready for it. For example, Ember Days and others. Thanks, Mother. I love your show. Thank you, Jennifer. Let me make a couple of recommendations. One of them, I'll bring it up here. One of them is the Catechism Explained. Hold on now, just one moment. Okay, let me see if I can... The Catechism Explained by Reverend um, uh, Sparago. Francis Barago. It's the Council of Trent um, with commentary on how to live the faith. It's, it's absolutely excellent. It's the next thing we're going to go through together. But uh, it's just absolutely excellent. Um, what else was... I? Oh, uh, fish eaters. One word. Fish eaters. Altogether, one word, dot com. Um, gives you all the traditions of the church pre-Vatican II. Uh, fish eaters one word dot com and you can put in fish eaters plus lent and you will get every tradition and the history of it all of that um it's it's a very very wonderful source um let me think if i can think offhand of other things those two sources are absolutely top and i i recommend them um for calendars um, I have one here. Um, I'll tell you what it is. Um, <clears throat> it's it's for the for the 1962 Roman Missal, which Missali Romana Romanum, which is what you would be uh, using if you um, if you're in the Latin Mass. And this one is from Romanitas Press, R-O-M-A-N-I-T-A-S, Romanitas Press. Um, And you can find it online. You can order it online. And let's see, uh, I hadn't even turned the page for March yet. It's a beautiful calendar um, with the theme of the month, a place for notes. If you could see, you probably can't see this. Um, And then the calendar is is truly outstanding. So for Ash Wednesday, for example, yesterday, um, it gives you the color that the vestments are violet um, and a strict fast and abstinence uh, begins the time of Lent. It tells you what to do. And then um, Thursday, the whole Lenten season, of course, is violet in color, and it says Thursday after F- Ash Wednesday. Um, and it, it goes through the, the entire calendar and every, uh, if it's a fast, 
the 27th of March. It'll tell you it's Latare Sunday. Um, it's very, very wonderful and totally traditional. And there are others. If you look up traditional Catholic sites, um, you will find um, the traditional calendar, and that will give you more um, um, uh, traditions. Okay, let me see now. Anytime I want to look up traditional, I'll just type in uh, to a search engine um, traditional Catholic uh, liturgy or calendar or customs for Lent, that sort of thing. We have another email from Michelle. Michelle says, hold on just a moment now. I want to get back where I was. Oops. Hold on a moment. Okay. Michelle says, hello, Mother Miriam. How are you? I'm fine, Michelle. God bless you. I hope you're doing well. I am. And I appreciate all of your wisdom and help. Thank you, Michelle. Michelle says, I want to ask you about eating meat on Friday. Is it a grave sin to eat meat on Friday when it is not Lent? I have kept it going on all Fridays outside of Lent. I occasionally did have meat, but I did an act of penance for it. Thank you and God bless you, Michelle. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. The church has never, uh, you, you must abstain from meat every Friday of Lent on pain of sin. That you must. Um, <clears throat> from uh, uh, 14 on, age 14 on. But, I mean, unless you have a particular medical problem and you're excused, hold on just one moment, please. Um, but the church never gave up the Friday sacrifice of, of meat. It never gave it up. Following Vatican II, I think it did a very good thing, and it wanted its children, the children of the church, to mature, to grow up into Christ, to grow up in their faith, to be responsible. So simply to have a law, no meat on Friday, uh, when I was looking into the church, I've told this little uh, tidbit before, I took a waitress job at an Italian restaurant, and it was filled with Catholics who would come in every Friday and order a huge lobster feast because they were staying away from meat. Well, that's not the idea of penance. So the church has never given that up, Friday's meat, but it has said if you're not giving up meat for some reason, maybe you're a vegetarian and you don't have to sacrifice at all because you don't eat meat. Or for other reasons, if you don't give up meat, you need to have another sacrifice every single Friday of the year. You need to sacrifice something. Meat is the norm. Meat is what the uh, USCCB, the U.S. bishops, have asked us to continue to refrain from, uh, to abstain from, uh, in reparation for abortion. Um, so, yes, we here at the Daughters of Mary, we, ha- we abstain from meat every Friday. Uh, we also fast every Friday of the year. But um, if you don't abstain from meat, pick another sacrifice something else. It could be food. It could be something else. So Michelle says, that, is it a grave sin to eat meat on Friday when it's not Lent? It's not a grave sin, but you need to give something up. And Michelle says, I've kept it going on all Fridays outside of Lent. I occasionally did have meat, but I did an act of penance for it. That's fine. Absolutely fine. If you have meat, you can choose another sacrifice or penance. That's absolutely fine, Michelle. You've got the right heart, the right spirit on that. 
Let me mention again, dear ones, that you're welcome to call in now or any time during this entire hour. And the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at Um We have an email from Pat who says, I was told years ago that if someone receives Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin... There are no graces to be had from receiving the Eucharist. Also, I believe you said God does not listen to prayers if in a state of mortal sin. Am I correct? No, you're not correct on that. Um, Because how would he listen to our confession? Of course he listens to our prayers. Um, Not an issue. Um, And so um, if you receive communion... In a state of mortal sin, not only do you not receive the grace of that communion, but you commit mortal sin on top of mortal sin. If you commit mortal sin and you receive the Eucharist apart from absolution for that mortal sin, you are committing mortal sin on top of mortal sin. Uh, so that's that's quite serious. Um, um, and if you receive, again, you receive the Eucharist in a state of mortal sin, the graces does not do not apply to you. They may apply to you once you have received absolution. Then the graces that have been withheld from you can apply to you. If you go to confession and you are in mortal sin and you don't confess it, um, even though the priest may not know that and may tell you that he absolves you, you are not absolved because, again, God absolves sin through the priest. If the priest says, I absolve you, and in your heart you're withholding confession, um, then that absolution is also, and the grace of it, is also withheld from you. And if it's mortal sin that you have not confessed, you must not receive communion. Pat says, I listen to you every morning. I've learned so much doing so. Thank you, dear one. Thank you, Pat, so much. Uh, We have an email from Scott who says, Mother, hi, I have a question for you. I used to belong to Sacred Heart Cathedral for a long time, but now I go to St. Theodore's Church. The new priest uses incense at every Sunday Mass, and he uses the bells for the consecration. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Are both of these things permissible in the Mass? And why or why not? They're permissible. No one's ever... Incense has been used for ages, since the beginning of the Church. It's in the, used in the Old Testament, and that's where it comes from, and bells as well. Absolutely for the consecration. When incense is not used, and the bells are not used for the consecration, that is the exception. Yes, they are used, and it's beautiful when they are used. It just simply heightens incense. The Mass is the greatest prayer of the Church, and the incense uh, signifies the prayers of the people rising up to God. It's a very, very beautiful thing, and a very, very beautiful thing. And the bells are rung because bread has become God, and the whole world should be on their knees at that point. It's very beautiful. I wish, I wish every single church used incense and bells. Incense at Mass, certainly High Mass, um, and, um, and bells at every... Our, our parish here in Beloit does, by the way, use incense on Sundays and, um, 
and bells every day at every consecration. They're very, very, very beautiful. Um, Here's an email from Jean. And, well, you're awfully quiet today, everyone. Give a call in. Let me know what's on your heart. It'll be good to say hello to you. And the toll-free number. And we have one segment after this um, for you to do so, if you wish. Uh, Toll-free number 1-877-511-5483. Or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have room for five of you to call in during the break, if you wish. We'll have 10 minutes when we come back and um, we'll take your calls and this email from Jean. And I look forward to hearing from you. God bless you. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment, about 10 minutes, and you're still welcome to call in. There's time, uh, toll-free at one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have a call from Paula in Boston. Hi, Paula. Good morning, Mother. How are you? I'm great, Paula. Thanks so much. Um, I love, love, love your show. Just want you to know that absolutely uh, appreciate all the information. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Paula. Mother Miriam, I was wondering if you could, could suggest either a book or a website on plenary indulgences. Yes, I can do that. I, I suggest this website for about any question you have on the Catholic faith. It's Catholic Answers website, catholic.com. That's it. Catholic.com. Go there, and right on top um, is a, uh, a question box, just a little search box. Just type in the word indulgence, and you will get everything you need to know what an indulgence is, what it's not, who can grant indulgences, dispositions necessary, all of that. Catholic.com, and you will have everything you need. And totally trustworthy. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Is there any specific reason why um, priests are not so forthcoming about discussing that? Is there any reason that they don't seem to want to tell people about them? Paula, I don't have the answer to that question, except it would be the same reason that they're not teaching the faith today. Very few priests teach the faith. Very, very few. Um, it's, It's all... Either it's political or it's simply how we should live, do's and don'ts, and the content of the faith is simply not taught. Um, It's tragic. There's no reason not to teach it. The church uh, hasn't changed its teaching on indulgences at all, plenary or um, anything else. Um, I, I just, it grieves me, Paula, that priests don't teach the faith. It's just utterly grieving, grievous. So, you know, wherever you go to church, um, I suggest you might go to your priest and say, Father, would you give a homily on indulgences? Maybe he will. Maybe he doesn't want, know that the people want to know that. But there's no specific reason. They're not, they're not teaching on repentance. They're not teaching on salvation. Uh, all of that. It, it's just... Um, it's it's a very difficult, it's a dark time in the church, Paula. It is. And may I ask one more question? Of Mary course. Is, um, you know when you go, when, when you receive communion from the priest, and unfortunately they're still not giving it in, in your mouth, they're having, Shame on them. you know, yeah, they're still doing, I've tried so many different churches and they're still... But you haven't tried the Latin church, church, right? No, actually, I haven't. I have to find one. Yeah, if you can, you'll have communion on the tongue, which most people don't know is the norm. It's not the exception. The tongue is the norm. The hand is the exception. And no priest has a right to refuse communion on the tongue. No bishop and no priest has that right, but they do. Uh, but it's not, it's, uh, not lawful. Go ahead, dear. So, could, so if I was to go up to the altar and to get, you know, to receive communion, could I actually say to the priest, "Is it okay for you to give it to me in, in my mouth, right there and then, in front of him?" I would do that separately, um, and and say on the tongue rather than in your mouth. Um, I would do that separately. I go to the priest and say, "Father, I really wish to receive our Lord on my tongue." 
uh, would you like me to come up after Mass? Would you like me to be at the end of the line? Ask him how that may work. Gotcha. If you, Got you. If you go to a Latin church, it's automatic. Automatic. Okay, got it. And even if you go to an automatic, I mean, sorry, um, um, a Latin mass, even though you don't understand it, it's still okay to go. Oh, it's 100% okay to go. And if you know the mass in the Novus Ordo, you're going to be able to follow along in the, in the Tridentine, the Latin church, the extraordinary form. You're going to be able to follow it along. And they have uh, books uh, with English and Latin. You can follow through the whole mass. When I started going to the, the Latin mass, um, I started following a book, and I, I really couldn't pray or worship, or I just forgot the book and sat there and absorbed, uh, observed and absorbed what was happening. And it was so beautiful. It changed my life. And then I got a book to really be able to go through it with them. But no, you can just go um, to any Latin church, and, and you're going to understand most of it. And again, just make sure you get a book there. And every, every church has a book that has the English as well as the Latin. So you'll be able to follow along. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mother. Thank you. Much, You're welcome, very much, dear. God bless Thank you. you. Thank you. We have a, a comment on Facebook um, from Charlene. Uh, Char- Charlene says, Mother, uh, if one receives Jesus in the state of mortal sin, does our Lord go into that soul? No. Because if we receive um, our Lord, <clears throat> if we hope to receive him, and we're in mortal sin, uh, God doesn't turn from us. We have turned from him. We have shut him out. Um, and so the Eucharist is still our Lord, but the grace of him uh, is not effective in us until we repent. And she puts a little P.S. There was a young man who committed suicide and was being held because of January 6th in federal prison. Please pray for him. A young man who committed suicide was being held because of January 6th in federal prison. Please pray for him. How awful. Oh, just awful that someone would commit suicide. That uh, How awful. I'm so sorry. Yes, we will pray for him. Uh, God knows his name, and we ask all our listeners to pray for him as well. How awful. Again, if you receive our Lord and you're in mortal sin, you have voluntarily um, cut yourself off from God. You've said, Lord, I don't want you. Um, So you might receive the host, which uh, once uh, the consecration is made, that host is truly God, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And yes, you've taken him in. No question about it. But his very life, his grace in you will be denied to you until you are absolved, until you go to confession. Um, let me see. Okay, I don't know. We're coming up against um, um, another. All right, let me, let me see if I can read this one quickly. It's an email from Jean. Good evening, Mother Miriam. I really learned so much from your daily programs and now feeling drawn to the Catholic Church. I'm believing more and more each day. Oh, blessed be God, Jean, that it is the church Jesus spoke of when he said he will build his church. Jean says, I've been Protestant my whole life and always remain non-denominational because I always sensed Jesus was not one of all those choices. For many years, 
I wondered, where is the church Jesus built? The enemy did a good job. You're right. You were absolutely right, Gene, spreading his lies against the Catholics to prevent the world from hearing the truth. You're 100% right there, Gene. Gene says, I'm now convinced my heart is Catholic and very hungry for the truth of God's word. I need to find a Bible. And one morning last week, you mentioned the revised version. Version. I went on Amazon. There are so many different revised Catholic versions. Red letter, no red letter, only New Testament, both old and new, revised, different publishers. May I ask the specific Bible you read? Mother, I like to follow along with the same Bible the teacher uses. Hold on. Oh. I have it right here. I hope you can see it. It is... Um, The Revised Standard Catholic Edition. I hope you could see this. I'm not going to have time to finish reading um, Jean's email, but this is what you're asking. It is the Holy Bible, Ignatius Press. You can't even see that. It's so torn and um, taped over. The Revised Standard Catholic Edition. Revised RSV, Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition. A Bible that's falling apart normally belongs to someone who's not. (laughs) I heard that from someone and I love it. God bless you, dear ones, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. Go to confession.